On this episode of the St. Philip Institute podcast, we're going to feature an interview with Bishop Joseph Strickland and author Gary Mashuda. Uh, they're going to talk about Gary's new book, Revolt Against Reality, which traces out the historical development of a lot of different ideologies that we're now seeing everywhere. So if you want to get a better grasp on why people are thinking the way they're thinking, and how the Catholic Church can offer us some sensible replies to some of the biggest controversies facing our world today. Check out this interview and check out this book. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, welcome. I'm Bishop Joseph Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler in Northeast Texas, and I welcome Gary Machuda, the author of a great book that I read recently, Revolt Against Reality, that, at least from my reading, really talks about how we've gradually moved further and further from the basic realities that we know as simply human beings— and from the reality that we've come to know through the revelation of God and the pinnacle of his revelation, Jesus Christ. So, Gary, it's a, it's a great joy for me to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you about this great book, and uh, I certainly would encourage anyone who hasn't read it to read it. To me, it was a great overview of just sort of seeing how this hasn't happened overnight. We're seeing it escalate, and we're seeing it get um, more dramatic, I guess you could say, because the insanity, the revolt, is just becoming insane. So I guess the first question I had for you, Gary, was what inspired you to author this book? Yeah, um, well, I started a few years ago, and it just seemed like society was getting more and more incoherent, crazy. Uh, parts of society seemed to be in a state of collapse and shattering. And I thought, um, I over the years, I've, I've read some very good books that give some explanation to uh, some of the effects we had. And I thought, you know, these books are, uh, they're quite thick and pedantic, like uh, Scott Hahn's Politicizing the Bible, um, uh, the unintended reformation you know they were really written for scholars although they had lots of very interesting insights into what we're going on today so i thought why not try to look at the causes for the insanity we live in and by knowing the causes we can then set a course to go back to sanity you know because you need to know uh you need to diagnose the problem before you start treating it and so what I did was I just took the causes of the immediate things that we're experiencing today, and I traced it backwards in the history. And then in the book, what I do is I start with the Garden of Eden, and I trace it all the way to today. And uh, yeah, just like you said, you know, what I found was 
like Aquinas says that a small error at the beginning is a large error at the end. And so the things that we're experiencing today were really uh, caused by things that happened in the past, small errors that happened in the past that have ballooned and grown and, uh, and we're suffering the consequences. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I guess what really struck me was just going through the centuries and sort of having those markers. I mean, of course, for us as Catholic, like the, the Protestant uh, Reformation. Um, and I think that what really struck me as I read your book is that it's it certainly is written from a Catholic perspective, but as I say, uh, the truth is the truth. I mean, it, it is a, either is reality or it isn't. And the, the present age, and it's interesting for me, even in the several weeks since I finished reading your book, it seems like we continue down that path of revolting against reality. For who we are simply as human beings— how we relate to each other, what a nation is. I mean, it's like everything, all of reality seems to be up for grabs. And that's very dangerous territory for us to be in as a human family. Yeah, absolutely. And we've even forgotten ourselves, what it means to be human, what it means to be a male or female. And uh, yeah, so in my book, um, I focus on the incarnation as a, this uh, uh, atomic explosion, if you will, of revelation of God, where the invisible becomes visible, the infinite takes to himself finitude, uh, and all these extremes are brought together in the person of Christ, and especially that we're united to Christ radically, so that we're united to each other very intimately. And that revolutionizes uh, human thought in human uh, civilization. And so, yeah, so what I do in the book is I trace how we kind of shrink back from the blinding light of the incarnation and in many ways strips Christ, uh, both head and body, of his, his humanness, you know, uh, his materiality. And uh, that's especially through the, uh, actually I trace it even into Islam, into Protestantism, and then eventually we pull those threads all the way through to today. Yeah, and I, I like the way that you you see that um, th there's sort of a crisis and then an addressing of that crisis, but it it seems like we're, I guess the image I would use is we're, we're sort of going downhill, and even though it, it stops it for a bit, it's not like we regain that lost ground and so we keep going down a darker path. And I love it that um, you bring it so much into focus of the Incarnation because uh, as believers, and certainly in the Catholic tradition, um, I mean, I love to look at the, the mysteries of the Rosary as really as a journey through the Incarnation of Christ and beginning with his conception in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I guess that that's a great focus um, that certainly many people don't believe that Jesus Christ was uh, born of a virgin in about 2,022 years ago, give or take. Um, many people don't believe that. But 
I guess the premise that I saw in your book is reality is one way or the other. It can't yeah. be both true and untrue. I mean, we're either talking now or we're not. Uh, you're yeah. in De the Detroit area. I'm in northeast Texas. Or we're not. I mean, that's reality. And it seems that we've even lost touch with that basic foundation. And I guess what comes to mind for me, Gary, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, that if, which I absolutely firmly believe, and I hope I'd have the strength to be a martyr and die for the truth of Jesus Christ, but if it is the truth that God's eternal Son became human flesh, conceived in the womb of a young woman of um, what we now call the Holy Land um, about 2,000 years ago, if that's reality, then that's a, a basic foundation that all of humanity has to, to operate from. Uh, certainly, like I said, I mean, really, I guess you could say if it's majority opinion, the majority of humanity has never accepted that truth. But if it is the reality, which I firmly believe it is, and I guess that's what your book is ultimately getting at, if we don't go back to Jesus Christ, we're just on a continuous path of more disintegration of the human reality, of, hum of our human world. If we don't go back to this model of the perfect human being, like us in all things but sin, which we believe Jesus Christ is, if we don't sort of get over ourselves and embrace that truth, then we will never, we will just wander more deeply into darkness. And that, yeah. that seems to be sadly the path we're on. And, and I guess what's troubling to me, and you certainly allude to it in the book, some of what you talk about is just human steps taken away from reality, some of the, the philosophies that begin to disengage from what has been revealed truth and what has been the natural law, and also some other religions. But certainly from the Catholic perspective, the, uh, the truth of our faith, if it is reality, we have all the more obligation to continue to share that truth and to know and believe that it's it is the truth that will set us free. So, what um, for me as one bishop in the world, um, what would be your advice to to us as religious leaders to help regain some of that reality ground that we've lost? Yeah. Well, first realize that um, <clears throat> because because we're the body of Christ and we're anchored in reality, which is God made man, that we have the solution to the world's problems. What we need to do is live authentic Catholic life. And by authentic, I mean, not just merely in the head, but also in the body. And I think there's um, one of the, the problems that's out there, especially for Catholics, is this understanding that, uh, you know, I can believe things as Catholics, but in civil life, I could do the exact opposite. You know, we see this all over the place where it's like there is a double truth, a, a truth for religion and a truth for everything else. But 
the Catholic view is that there, like you said, there is only one reality. There is one truth, and therefore God's revelation isn't just true; it's good for people, and so it needs to be integrated into life. And one basic principle I always think of is, what you believe about God will affect what you believe human beings are, what the value and dignity of human beings are, which affects how you ought to be governed. And I think a lot of people have compartmentalized religious belief as being this this little slice of the pie in their life that, yeah, they can assent to and they can uh, go to church every Sunday, and that's disconnected from everything else. Mm -hmm. But the authentic Catholic view is that what we believe, what we worship on Sunday is reality and it affects everything it informs everything i think that's really where we need to begin well i agree and i i have to say that that's what i'm striving to do as a bishop is to really wake people up to reality yeah um yeah and what what occurs to me just as you were were speaking gary is that the reality is if we are if we compartmentalize and act like the truth that's been revealed to us is just sort of a um, a parlor uh, truth, it's, okay, you could go into that Catholic parlor and be happy there and believe what you want, but it can't affect other things. Reality is that it does. The yeah. truth that has been revealed to us, and some of it, I mean, you get into what we would call common sense or natural law, just naturally observable truth that a lot of the early philosophers point to, that just being a human being, you know certain things, you you just intuitively understand certain things. And for us to, uh, to ignore that, the reality is it begins to do harm to, to the fabric of human civilization. And I think that's what people seem to be blind to in the world today is that we've got to acknowledge that reality has its effects and we can't almost pretend that it's the way we want it to be. You hear a lot about, um, I guess the phrase is, I identify as whatever. And it's as if you can say, I identify as this, therefore, it's the truth. It's the reality. <laughs> and it's yeah, not. Right. I mean, we're seeing this in the, the, the gender issues, male and female. Uh, certainly, some manipulations can be done to alter that. But the reality is, as I understand, and I'm not a scientist, but again, it's just common sense it's natural law it's very basic truth that when a baby boy is born there are things about a baby boy that are different from a baby girl that are reality it's just the reality that male and female is different and it is certainly certain uh, physical genital parts but it's not limited to that. It's the whole makeup of the person, even going down to the DNA. And we seem to be identifying and saying, I mean, we hear the word non-binary, and that is a, a stark 
um, revolt against reality, really, that to say yeah. I'm neither male nor female, it, it, it's just not reality. Certainly, as I've said, as I've talked to people in that issue, and it's one of the, the most uh, critical issues because it's speaking about who we are. Who this person is that is next to us on the interstate or in the mall or in church or at a ball game, who we are, um, and when we begin to say that, well, I identify as something that reality is denying, then it, it just gets to be a, a pretty insane world. And uh, I think that that's why I found your book so helpful because it it wasn't attacking anyone. It wasn't really um, denying anyone. It was simply pointing to moments through pretty much 2,000 years of history. I mean, you, you covered a lot of ground go, going from, you know, from really the, the conception of birth of Christ, the, the, the beginning of Christianity, and then all the way through the early development of the church, um, the, the medieval period, the, the Protestant Reformation, and then all the reformers that came after that. Um, and, and there's so many elements of it that truly are a revolt against reality. Um, if God is Father, Son, and Spirit, we believe that is the reality that God has revealed to us, then it, it begins to sort of prune down what's possible. Um, and it, we seem to be living through a time where people literally do revolt against any pruning away of what they've decided is possible or is the reality. And, and so I guess it's really my mission as a bishop, but certainly any leader, any, any mother and father in our world today need to help their children and wherever we have a sphere of influence or responsibility to form others, we need to be looking at reality and, and guiding the children and our families and our community, whatever we're influencing, we need to be guiding them back to the base, the foundation of reality. And the more we almost as a, a it's, it's labeled a charity, but I've always, I've often said the greatest charity is the truth, the truth of who this person is, what the reality that they're facing is, what this world is about. And I think the more we, we try to ignore reality and allow a person to identify as something or someone that is in opposition to reality, that isn't love. That isn't real charity because it's, it's taking us down a path that leads to, certainly we believe, leads away from God and eternal salvation. But even if, you, even if you're not thinking in supernatural terms of, of the call beyond this world, just in this life, the revolt against reality leads to an awful lot of pain and heartache for just this journey on this side of eternity. Yeah. Yeah, it, it reduces the human person down to what you do. 
and your values attached to what you can do and how you identify and things like that. But the human person is much more than just these labels or, you know, these slogans <clears throat> that, uh, you know, God has given us so many gifts that uh, to reduce ourselves down to just, well, what I am is a non-binary whatever or a different species or something like that. Like you said, not only is it uh, uncharitable to confirm people in error, but it reduces them down to pretty much a thing. And uh, and that's part of the gospel is that God became man. He entered into our our world and embraced our humanity as a good. And so each of us are unique individuals with many different gifts, many potentials, and many struggles. And to you know reduce yourself down to a label, uh, like I said, it, it's it, it's basically turns you into a thing. And we're on a very dangerous path if human value is linked to what you do, because then all of a sudden certain people are dealt out of the human race. Well, and I think you touch on something that's that's very critical and one of the most foundational issues, of course, uh, for us as Catholics. And, and really, the debate goes on in humanity, certainly in this nation, but beginning with the unborn, there, you know, the much of the nation, I mean, they talk about more people are uh, believe in the uh, the value of an unborn child than than believe abortion is something that should be protected. But you know you get different views and different polls that can say different things. Again, going back to reality, that newly conceived child, science pretty well proves that the reality is by DNA by so many measurements that that newly conceived child is a new individual human entity we could say that if allowed the natural progression they're going to be born and be a child and and develop as a human person that reality is is something that it's interesting um in my perspective, because I I'm, I speak out a lot on the sanctity of the life of the unborn, because to me that's the most foundational. It means the sanctity of li- the life of every person in that spectrum from conception to natural death. And as you're saying, Gary, once one, one slice of that, one moment of that spectrum is deemed not valuable— uh, a, a low quality of life, you could say, um, then it's dangerous territory for everybody <laughs> on that yeah, spectrum yeah. because the the subjective judgment that this life is low quality, uh, you know, the, the whole question about quality of life, and it gets back to what can they do? What can this individual do? Uh, certainly a, a newly conceived child of a few weeks or months can't do anything. And so from that measurement, I mean, you can go through the whole time until a person dies of natural causes at 100 years old. 
from that whole time span, you can look at different moments where different groups or individuals would judge the quality of life is diminished enough that they can be eliminated with no consequences. And and that's the dangerous territory. It really isn't, and I know that we as Catholics and even just in the general pro-life community, we get attacked for just be con- being concerned about the unborn. But I guess my point has always been that when they have no value, really you open the door for anyone to be deemed to have no value along that spectrum. And with the handicapped, with the elderly, with those diminished capacities in various ways, you see that more and more eroding. And and I think once you pull that foundation of from conception to birth as being a sacred time for that person to be protected, then a year old to a hundred years old, the vulnerability is there, and it just becomes somewhat arbitrary determining where is society going to say, well, there's enough value that this individual needs to be protected. So it is very dangerous territory. Um, I guess what what I return to as I think about our conversation as we talk now is once again returning to Jesus Christ. He is the eternal Son of God who was conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary and took on this human reality, lived to be about 33 years old. And he really shows us the the value of the human person and the fact that he is willing as the Son of God to sacrifice himself. And I know I'm I'm speaking a lot of realities that a lot of people disagree with, but it's either the truth or it isn't. He, you know, and that I think is what we've got to grapple with as we move forward. And for those of us who know that Jesus Christ is God's eternal Son incarnate among us and through the mystery of the sacraments is still with us in tangible ways, especially in the Eucharist, I think we've got to hold the line on what we know to be true as a service to all humanity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, going back on what you said before about if we don't affirm uh, the nature and the value of each and every individual, uh, it becomes arbitrary. What you're saying isn't just theoretical, but in my book— I show historically over and over again, especially in the last century, how many different countries, uh, the Nazis with the, their uh, eugenics program, uh, communist Russia, so on and so forth, it becomes totally arbitrary as to how you define whether someone is fully fit or not fit. And what happens is it, once that, that value becomes arbitrary, where it's not anchored in something objective that everybody can sa- sign on to, then you're at the the mercy of whoever is the strongest. And, uh, you know, and and we're kind of headed down that road if we aren't already there. Absolutely. And and I guess that's why going back to the the topic of this conversation, your great book, Revolt Against Reality, um, I think you do a masterful job of illustrating 
so many points that has helped me to just integrate it all into a very clear understanding of the challenges that I face and the ways that I, as a shepherd of the people of God, have to bring people to resist this revolt against reality and instead embrace it. Really, Gary, what your book reminds me of, um, Jesus Christ came to save humanity, and this is about the salvation of humanity. If we continue down the path we're on, it's it's destructive of more and more segments of humanity until you begin to ask, who's going to be left after yeah. all of this revolt against reality plays itself out to its final uh, tragic end? Many, um, much of the world's population can easily, in that arbitrary way, if there's some state or whatever entity is making those decisions, you and I could be eliminated because we're over uh, X age. I don't know how you old you are. I'm 63. But with that arbitrariness, it could easily be determined that people over a certain age really can't do enough to be valuable and we can eliminate them. That's basically what we're saying, that the unborn are of such a diminished age, such a, a, a young age, that it's they're free for us to dispose of without with thinking there are no consequences. And the consequences on any of that revolt against reality is grave harm to the human family. Yeah. Yeah, there's no alternative to the real. You know, there's either what what is and anything else is just pure fantasy. And like you said, that way leads to destruction. Yeah. Well, Gary, I, I really appreciate your book, and I, I hope uh, many people will take it up. It's a great read. It's, as you pointed out, it's not deeply, I mean, it's well written, but it's very readable. It's It's very accessible. It's not huge, deep complex language that um, you have to get a dictionary out to figure it out, but it really exposes reality and the truth that uh, I hope many people will read it both. Certainly, uh, I know it was published by Catholic Answers, so that probably immediately targets a certain part of the um, of, of society, but I would hope people, whether they believe in the Catholic faith or not, Again, reality is reality. Uh, it's either true or it isn't. And whatever that concrete objective truth is, that's what, in many ways, I, you know, I'm a philosophy major, and in many ways, that's what the quest of the human person is, to know reality more deeply, to know what is true, to know what is good, to know what is beautiful. And when we basically distort that to say, well, this is just my good, my truth, my beauty, then it it diminishes who we are and who we can be as the family of God's people. Of course, again, believing that we are God's people, but um, we either are or we aren't. And that quest for reality, I think your book really underscores 
that it's not just something for scholars to be concerned about, but it's really for all of us as human beings to be aware we have to be on that quest for what is real, what is true, in order to flourish in this life. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. I... Whoops. You know, what I say, how I identify, what ends up is we become so isolated and alone. And that's, uh, Bishop, that's another thing that we're experiencing is this epidemic of loneliness, yeah. of being alienated, not only from society and community, but from ourselves, from our own bodies. And like you said, uh, the only way back is to Christ, who is the uh, foundation and the beacon back to how, what things truly are. Yeah. Well, very good. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And again, thank you, Gary. I encourage all who are listening to get that great book, Revolt Against Reality by Gary Mashuda, uh, published by Catholic Answers. And let me conclude our time together with a blessing. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for Gary and for all of us as we seek to live the wondrous truth that you have revealed to us. Help us to approach your truth with hearts open to the challenges and to the joys of knowing your truth more deeply and thus knowing ourselves more clearly as your sons and daughters. We ask your blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.